still haven't closed a deal yet in your real estate business? Then you have found the right place. This is the Fearless Millionaire Podcast, where you can gain clarity, confidence, cash flow, and build your business the right way from the inside out. Here's your fearless leader, Nathan Amaral. All right, hey everyone, thanks so much for joining in this uh, special interview session. It's where I like to take some time and interview people who are actually uh, doing the business. You know, people I like to call the ones with the fearless mindset who get started, uh, but actually press through to things that they never thought was possible. And so today I have a special guest, um, and it's, I've actually known Nick for I think a year now, and we met through a yeah. mutual friend. We met online through the business. And it was uh, one thing that really stuck out, and you'll probably hear this as you listen to this interview. One thing that really stuck out about Nick is how he actually did the business uh, remotely. He already stepped out remotely, was building a remote business. And that's why I wanted to get Nick on, on this interview today. So Nick, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, wanting to be here. How are you? All right, so Nick, I just want you to kind of kick it off and just share yeah. um, share a little about your background, share about your uh, experience in real estate, how you got started, maybe like before your first deal. Sure. I started with uh, remote real estate probably over 15 years ago when I lived in New Jersey. And I always, always wanted to get started with real estate, so I started reading courses like everybody else does and uh, started with Carlton Sheets. One of the first oh, guys wow. in real estate. Yeah. 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 And uh, at the time, I know I wanted always to move to Florida. So I started investing in Florida. You, so you had started investing in Florida while you were in New Jersey? From New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Over 15 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I started because I knew I wanted to be here one day. And yeah. I grew up in New Jersey, and basically, I felt I had enough of the cold winters, the short summers, and uh, Florida always appealed to me. And the real estate market was hot there. And if you remember, back in 2000, it was before 2005, that was yep. when the market was booming. So yep. actually, uh, you know, I, I started investing, but then the market took a turn for the worse. So I started investing based on what I've learned in the books, which I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't recommend today because they, they base it on 1% rule is what they call it. You buy a, a rental property and you're trying to get 1% of the purchase price of monthly rent. So when you finance that property and you have a mortgage, you have taxes, insurance, management fees, repairs, maintenance, I'm here to tell you, that the 1% rule does not work. It did not work for me because mm. when markets change, yeah. doesn't factor that change and the French start going down, then what do you do? So uh, basically uh, I accumulated about 12 properties remotely, all in Wow. Yeah, wow. and so, so here, let's, and a half. Let's, go ahead. That's yeah. amazing, by the way. I just wanted to, because I know, uh, People are probably wondering this. How did you do that? We're talking 15 years ago. Yeah. I think email had just come out, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you're right. We didn't have the resources then. Right. That's exactly. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you go about doing that? Like what was your process? I mean, yeah. What did you do? 
It was actually pretty simple. We still had internet, obviously. And yeah. what I started doing, Nathan, was uh, I would use Realtor.com. Okay. okay. So Realtor.com was my main website that I'd use and just starting to search for properties in a specific area. So if those properties uh, looked appealing to me based on my investment criteria, I would try to submit an offer. But, you know, let me just okay. first back up. You want to work with a, a real estate agent. So you want to find a good agent to work with that's knowledgeable in the marketplace right. that you get along with. Uh, that's honest, ethical, and is responsive to your needs. Absolutely. Okay, so in a hot market, it's very hard to find because these real estate agents are more inclined to go after the bigger deals and not small, inexpensive rental true. properties for investors. Very true. But they're out there. And, uh, you know, mainly it's going to be the uh, newer type of uh, real estate agents that are trying to build their name in the business versus those real estate divas that are just looking for waterfront properties. Right, right. Yeah, so um, anyhow, what happened was uh, what, I, what I did first, I actually purchased two vacant lots side by side in Port St. Lucie, Florida. That was a, a booming area here in Florida. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, a lot of construction going on. So I bought two lots. I paid $15,000 for each lot. So $30,000 investment. I paid cash. At the time, builders were everywhere. So they were yeah. willing to actually uh, build a house for you, okay, with lot equity. So essentially, you know, you deed the lot to them. They build you the house and at closing. Yep. Everything goes back to you once they get their their money. And in this case, it was an $85,000 home on a $15,000 lot. That's a $100,000 investment. So total is $30,000 investment for two single family homes that are brand new concrete block construction, about 1,400 square feet, three bedroom, two bath, two car garage on a quarter acre lot. Yeah. Not too bad. So at the time, I was getting $1,300 a month in rent. I had one of those exotic mortgages. It was, uh, I think it was a five-year arm. After yeah, five, five years, you know, it resets to principal and interest. So you right. have to, you know, figure that accordingly. Uh, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. So a lot of people got stuck with these exotic mortgages back then. I was one of the, one of the victims, unfortunately. I was a new investor. Okay. And my goal was to just keep buying properties. And the cash flow on these properties at the time was about $300 per month. Okay. That's six hundred dollars both. It sounds okay. Now for a brand new home, that's pretty good. But on an older home, it's not because eventually you're gonna need an HVAC system. Eventually you need a roof. And a lot of these properties you need, you know, a lot of more maintenance and repairs because they're older properties. Newer properties sure. would be the only exception to the rule. Sure. I typically don't buy brand new, but that's the first thing I you know, that's the first time. Okay. So by doing so. What happened was about one or two years, the values really skyrocketed. So I did a cash out refi for each property. I think okay. I took out a total of uh, $25,000 per property. Wow. And I refinanced based on a regular conventional 30-year fixed principal and interest mortgage. My payment went up just a little bit. And uh, so... And I, I got fifty thousand dollars in my pocket. So basically, I have tax free. Deal. Yeah, tax free. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And when you refinance, they have to do uh, an appraisal, as you know. 
Right. So these properties appraised for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a piece. That's a half a million dollars for a thirty thousand dollar investment. I thought I was like this master <laughs> investor, right? Real estate. And, uh, and yeah. that's when everybody thought the market's just going to continue to climb right, and nothing's right. ever going to go wrong. Right. Right. So I was naive. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to hold on to these. I have cash flow. Then the market started to change about a few years after that. I'm going to say about 2007, 2008 started okay. to change like dramatically. Absolutely. So first property values were affected. So I wasn't concerned about that because my intention was just to hold the property, but then the uh, the actual rent started going down and they started going down and they got to the point where I just couldn't feed the alligators, so to speak. So I decided to stop paying the mortgage. Mm. Now, in the meantime of all this happened, I was still accumulating other properties in other parts of Florida that yeah. were not brand new homes. I have a question for you, Nick. Did you, on those first two lots and maybe any others, did you actually by chance fly down to go look at the lots that you bought or any of the investments you did? Did you fly down to look at them? Uh, what we did first, actually we visited the area initially, my wife okay. and I did, because okay, okay. at the time my, my wife's uncle owned about six lots in the same town. So that's oh, what- okay. That's what appealed to me is, okay, he's already, he, he's, uh, he sure. was a big time real estate guy on his uh, 40 unit buildings. Oh, okay, okay. He's got to know what he's doing. Okay. He got burned as well, by the way. That's another story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the That's another interview. And they went from 15,000 to 100,000. I, I know. It's so yeah. true. I know it very well. Yep. People were flipping like crazy. They were just driving up the market. So Nick, yeah. I remember, Nick, we have a similar experience. I remember literally you could walk up to a lot, buy it right then and there, and then literally turn around and sell it like hours later. That's how yes. hot things were. Trying. That's how hot the market was. Yeah. And I kid you not, they, you, there's so many, there was so many vacant lots in this town. You could be driving around town. And as you stop and look at a lot, there's about five or six other cars stop looking at other lots as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. after the market tanked, the value of those lots went down to 5,000. You can buy them at tax deed sales all day long for a couple thousand dollars. Right. So fast forward to this time now, Port St. Lucie has grown considerably. There's now, you know, pretty nice sections of Port St. Lucie. There's a hospital. There's a lot going on. So the market has recovered, but it took all this time to recover. Right, right. But so not to get so far ahead of myself, but uh, when this was all going on, by the time the market collapsed, Nathan, I had about 12 properties to deal with. Okay, okay. So when the market tanked, it tanked first with, like I said, property values would start going down. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was, uh, the, you know, there was just a lot of rentals out there. So I had to keep lowering rents, lowering rents, lowering rents. I mean, if it's just one property, you want to, you know, take money out of your pocket for the negative cash flow, that's fine. But when you have 12, I don't think that's a good business decision. So I had to make right. a, a business decision. And I eventually let all 12 properties go into foreclosure. I, I'll be honest with you, I was very upset. Yeah. You know, it hurt my credit tremendously because we had a very good credit score Yeah. in the eights. Uh, so, you know, it took a few years for them to go into foreclosure because of the volume of foreclosures out there. Um, so, um, so that's what happened. I, I was 
upset. I was devastated. Yeah. And uh, it was a big brick wall for me. I said to myself, what am I going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Savvy right. Investors, you know, the savvy investors. And I was not one at the time. Uh-huh. They knew the market was going to crash. So they were they were selling at that time before the crash. Sure. So after the market crashed, they started buying all over again at rock bottom prices. Mm. Those are the people that made fortunes in the market. Collapse. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't many of them, but I, I heard some yeah. really, you know, inspiring stories and, and, and you live and learn. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever, I mean, whenever there's a crash, I mean, that's the time to scoop stuff up for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's a matter yeah. of timing that crash. Everything's a matter of timing. You have to be right. savvy enough to stay ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you started off investing remotely from New Jersey to Florida. When did you actually relocate to Florida? We moved to Florida in 2005. So it wasn't until after we moved to Florida. That's I, that was before the market crashed. I was okay. accumulating properties before okay. that point. So I okay. had 12 properties under my belt when we made the move. I, you know, wow. I sold my house. Fantastic. I sold my business. You know, my wife left her job and we finally made the move. I had, my son was only a year old at the time. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, it was a big move. It really was. So I thought 12 properties were great, but I'm telling it, it's not. When you have highly leveraged properties, sure. you know, and you're only putting down 10%, you have PMI on these loans. Sure, sure. Not as good as it sounds, you know. So uh, what did you do? Because, you, I mean, you shared a really powerful backstory, just literally going from, First of all, yeah. not only time frame, like we, we look back and we say, wow, technology wasn't at it, at it was today. So, no. you know, there's yeah. like a disadvantage there. You were buying remotely. You yeah. had accumulated tall properties. Then you went straight down and then you got back up. So let's talk about yeah. that part. How did you get back up and yeah. you started going back into the market? So how did you okay. do that? And what was your approach? What did you do differently at that point? Yeah. So started reading more books. Because that's where my bookshelf is full of right. Robert Kiyosaki, right, right. Armando Montalongo, and the list goes on yeah. and on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just tried to gain more and more knowledge. And uh, I was, uh, I didn't do anything for a while. I'll be honest with you. That really put a damper in my confidence and the recovery was a very long time. A lot of people were just sitting back on the sidelines because they weren't sure how low to come in. And they continued. It was a long drop. Yeah. Very long. Took a long time. So I don't remember how long it took me, but it was a while, Nathan, until I started getting back into it. But I did things a little bit differently. Now, the difference between then and now is, at that time, I was financing the properties. Okay. So, as you know, when you finance a property with a conventional loan, they want a personal guarantee. You can't say and or signs in the contract and lead it right, to an right. LLC. That's not going to fly. Right. I don't know if they changed their criteria today. That's how it worked back then. Sure. I haven't been using a bank. I'm fortunate enough to buy properties all cash, but I buy lower price properties yep. without compromising safety. 
Sure. Meaning I don't want to buy properties in a war zone. So eventually I started finding other areas to invest in. And at the time, I'll mention a couple markets that I was at Florida, as you know, I had 12 properties or so on for I had a actually a property in Texas. I had a property in Arkansas, a couple properties in Arkansas. Okay. So and then when I started uh when I made the decision to get back into the real estate market, I set up LLCs. I set up a qualified retirement plan so I could use my retirement money okay. to purchase real estate. So okay. that that was a big help. You know, I had my retirement money to, to, to make those purchases. And uh, so slowly but surely, you know, I, I found another market. I started investing in another market. I started buying probably I was spending it. That specific market properties were very low. I'm going to say they were probably categorized as a C minus area. Okay. Now in the investment world, obviously, you have A properties, B properties, C, G, and F would be, you know, war zones. Sure. Just, you know, really bad areas. Go ahead, Nathan. I was going to ask you, like, so we know about your previous method of buying the property. Did anything change? Like, what was when coming back into the market? And investing again, did you change your approach to the way you went, not only went into the market, but also the way you acquired it? Was it still through real estate agents or did you have a different approach? I started using, uh, I started dealing with uh, listing agents directly for some time, only because the listing agent obviously is more inclined to want to sell you that property. It all depends on the agent, Nathan. It doesn't always work that way. It's very true. Obviously, they don't have to split their commission. So if they have multiple offers on the table, they may say, Nick, you know, I have multiple offers. I want you to get the deal. So you need to come up a couple thousand. So they really will try to make the deal work for you because they want to get the full commission. Doesn't always work that way, but sometimes it does work in your favor. But Mm -hmm. lately I've been dealing with, uh, you know, my own agents in buying these properties that you develop a good relationship with. Uh, Obviously you have to hire a property manager. Now, when you find the right agent in whatever market you choose, based on whatever investment criteria you decide on, if you find the right agent, they're going to know the right property management company. They're going to know the right title company. They're going to know True. the right home inspector. So True. all that's going to be handed to you. You don't have to go and, and interview all these different people because it's very time consuming. Sure. What do you look for? Nick, I know that you and I have been working together now probably about a year. And yeah. some of these things you've told me about your, I think you're, I think you're a fantastic relationship builder. I really do. I because from, yeah, because from the way you built your business, you work directly with agents. I know some people listening to this, they say, wow, he's worked directly yeah. with agents. He didn't, you know, he didn't spend yeah. money on direct mail. He didn't spend yeah. money on advertising online or offline bandit signs. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of that is what's taught sometimes. Right. online or you know through gurus whatever and and you took a, a very relationship building approach so my question yeah. to you is what, what how would you know if you're working with a good real estate agent what what are some of the, maybe the questions that you would ask what are some of the things that you would do to find out if it's a good real estate agent or not 
Hey, if you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts and you probably like music too, like me. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free and you don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now, which is your favorite, right? (laughs) You know, on Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Download episodes to listen to offline wherever you are. Easily share the ones that you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations on even social media platforms like Instagram. All you have to do is search your favorite podcast on the Spotify app, browse the podcast and add them in your library tab, and then follow me so you never miss an episode from the Fearless Millionaire podcast. Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service, and now it can be your go-to for podcasts. I'll see you there. Well, there's a lot of different opinions on that. And on bigger pockets, there's there's entire articles written about <laughs> sure. what to ask the agent. But sure. I mean, I try to keep it simple. You know, I think the most important thing is compatibility. You need to get along with the agent you're working for. Okay. You need to hit it off with them. And they have to have knowledge in that marketplace. They have to be able to tell you what neighborhoods to stay away from, which is a gray area because that's called steering in the real estate market. Mm. They think that their license will be in jeopardy if they say, Nick, stay away from that area. It's high crime. But I disagree with that. So we call it a areas or a properties, B properties, right. C properties, or D. So what I say to the agent, once you build up that trust, right. you know, right. obviously I can say to them, and we have even more resources. Uh, I check the crime maps on realtor.com. I cross-reference those crime maps with trulia.com because it gives you specific crimes of that area. Sometimes they don't drive. So even by doing that, I still ask my agent, okay, what's your feeling? Is it a C property? And they'll tell you, they'll say, I think it's a C plus or C minus or whatever. Or if uh, they say to me, check the crime map. Well, what does that tell me? Check the crime map. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Double check the crime map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> or now if you have a relationship established with a property management company, better yet, because now you have two people. And, you know, I go to my property manager and say, listen, this property I'm interested in getting under contract before I do so, I want your approval on this property and on this area. And they're going to tell you, you know, either they're going to know right off the top of their head how the area is, or they're going to say, let me take a drive out there and take a look at it for you first, and I'll give you my opinion. Right. And that's what they do for me. They say yes or no. They'll tell you if it's a bad area. They'll say it's, it's going to be. Or they may say it's going to be very hard to get a quality tenant in that property. What does that tell you? It tells you it's a bad area. Mm-hmm, right. It's exactly. very easy to rent that property. Nick. I think, you know, you're making a good investment decision. There you go. So that's exactly. what I like to hear. It's music to my ears when I hear that's that. That's really, kind of stuff. those are really good. That's really good feedback. And, and you said something very powerful. You can tell I, I picked up on things that you said that comes from a savvy investor, in my opinion. From your experience, you're at that level where you said you have to get along with, you have to click connect, gel with that agent. And a lot of people, I get this all the time, Nathan, can you give me a referral? Yeah, I can give you a referral, no problem. I get this asked me in all different kinds of parts of the business. And you can give someone a referral, but you always have to make sure that you connect with that uh, whoever, real estate agent, attorney, there has to be a good connection. Because sometimes I know some really great people 
And then all of yeah. a sudden, they're like, oh, I didn't have a good experience. Well, they may not connect with them so well. That's um, so that, yeah. that's a really powerful thing that you said that I think a lot of yeah. people miss out on and they kind of skip over that or they don't build a good relationship yeah. with whether it's a, an agent or an attorney. But you also mentioned property management companies. What's What's been that like for you? Because I think a lot of people miss out on that relationship. They really, they think, well, I don't have a property to rent, right? That's literally what comes to people's minds. Like I'm not renting a property. Yeah. So what's been your experience with working with property, uh, property management companies? So before you enter a new market, not only speak to a local agent, but it's also wise to speak to several management companies. They're going to tell you how the rental market is. Uh, get a little bit of information from them. How many properties do they manage? Are they willing to take on new clients? Uh, how many people work in their office? So based on just that, just you're getting a little bit of feeling of, of that management company. But what I do is I used to ask them all the questions over the phone. But let's face it. Then if you're if you're interviewing five or six different companies and this is time consuming you know you're going to forget what the other person said about right. question b or question c sure so what i do is i devise a list of questions so okay. after i speak to the management company if it's truly a market i'm going to pursue and the management company i'm willing to hire there's a list of 20 questions or so you can change them accordingly mm -hmm. and uh you know any like most of them are what i just mentioned you want to know do they have insurance can you provide me a certificate of insurance if I ask for one? You want to see uh, photos of the proposed repairs of the property and after the repair. If they're reluctant to give you that, that's a major red flag. And that's how I got burned when I started all over again in real estate, which we discussed. And you wanted me to elaborate on that a little bit as well. And that was a big deal for me. That put another damper in my investment career. This is why I feel that I have not achieved the success that I wanted to achieve because of one, the market collapsing, and two, when I got back into the market, I got burned twice consecutively by two management companies. Mm. So you gotta be cautious, but not paranoid because if they yes. sense a, a, a strong level of, of you know, paranoid in, in your system, they're gonna, you're gonna scare them off. They're gonna feel like, you know what, you're gonna ask for too much. You're not gonna let me do my job. You, you know, I don't yes. need to be micromanaged. That's true. Sure. And I say to them, if I need to micromanage you, that tells me you're not doing your job. I don't want to micromanage. I'm going to let you do your job. And if I sense something is not going right, the vacancy is sure. too long or it's not getting around ready in a reasonable amount of time, I'm going to start breathing down your neck. I'm going to see what's going right. on here. Right, so right. You have right. to be a little bit, you know, uh, on top of things about getting yeah, yeah. done. Business is absolutely. business. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're with when you're with the right management company, they have absolutely no problem being transparent and providing you with whatever information you're looking for. Yeah, very true. Yeah, those are some great points, and I think um, that interview process that you have on the front end is very important to the success you have on you know the results afterward. Because if your interview yes. process is not that great in the beginning or you just hire on potential, I don't know if you've ever heard that right. before, but uh, there's, a, there's a saying in, uh, in the hiring industry, uh, excuse me, the head, called the headhunting yeah. industry, never hire on potential, hire on experience of results. And Absolutely. what you're doing is weeding out potential talk and, hey, right. we could do this, we could do that. You're actually looking for real results. I think that's right. awesome. I think that's great, and uh, and that's right. something. So you you found you found basically two relationships that you've really 
dove in on. You said, forget the rest. I'm just going to focus on these two and build up your business that way. And so up until that point, until now, I think you've acquired a bunch more real estate, right? Yes. Did you want me to elaborate on what happened when I started investing yeah. again? Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> <laughs> if you want, yeah. That'd be great. I'm scare anybody off, but this is, this is why I'm a little bit more cautious. And, and because your property manager will make or break you. Yeah. It's crucial you get the right property manager that's going to value your business and not treat you as a number, but as an actual client. And you want to build a relationship with them and talk. You want to speak to them on the phone on occasion without taking that much of their time. To me, texting all the time is too. You right. can't express emotion and build a relationship with texting. Yeah. All right there with text. you. Don't get me. I know. <laughs> yeah. On occasion, I like to, if something's getting a little bit hairy, I pick up the phone, you know. Exactly. Can I talk exactly. to you for a few minutes, Sam, regarding this? Yeah, absolutely. They call me right back. And when they call me right back, I know they value my business. They, they respect me as a client. That's what you want. It's crucial. When they don't call you for a couple of days, and they, they seem a little bit out of it. Like I know that their their workload is, is above and beyond what they're able to to handle. So that's a red flag. So you want to make sure that somebody, you know, the property manager is efficiently running their business. They, they are automated, you know, they have the proper software that they use for property management. They do the ACHs in your account, not sending you a check, which I'm still battling that with other management. I'm I'm actually doing business with about six or seven management companies. That's a, that's a great point. I was actually going to ask you about that a little bit ago, which is you're managing, like you said, six or seven of them, right? That's, yeah. that's impressive. So you're managing these, they got your rentals going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your like little processes there. Are you, are you doing checks? Are you doing ACH? Like what, what are some of the things that you maybe made transitions to, or that you want to transition to, to like ease up the process? Well, I mean, we talked about delegating certain tasks that I do in my daily business to a VA or something. But for the most part, I kind of enjoy, you know, firsthand interaction with my managers. I think it's important to continue to have that. I feel personally, and, and this is not everybody, I feel personally, sure. if I delegate the task of communicating with my managers to a VA, they're just not going to know the business and the relationship I have like I do. And I worked to establish that business and that trust. True, true. I delegated to a stranger in the Philippines. I don't want it to tarnish that relationship. True. I could be wrong, Nathan, but that's just my gut feeling over what I created. You know, I feel like I I created it and I want to keep it. It's kind of like, you know, we know each other face to face, you know, through technology. And we spoke on the phone numerous times. It's kind of like, well, I have a coaching call with Nathan. I'm going to delegate it to the other. <laughs> wow. Now you sound like one of my other clients. <laughs> now you sound like one of my other I mean, clients. It's like... not to that extent, but, you know, it's, it's, it's along that, that well, line. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a real, a real life experience. Yeah. Um, I actually flew to Florida. Um, it was in the Cape Coral area. And yeah. a client hired me. I went to his house. Right. Got to pet his pet, uh, not tiger, but he had some kind of really? cat in wow. his backyard. He had a whole like you know a zoo in his yeah, backyard. Yeah. So I'm in this mansion, and I'm <laughs> so we signed the contract. He wires the money right to my account, right in front of me. Weirdest transaction. I've never seen this happen before. 
We signed contracts. Why is the money in front of me? All this stuff, right? And it was this was a six-figure deal. Wow. Literally, one hour later, his assistant walks in and says, hey, I want to introduce you to Nathan. He, he, you're going to be responsible for this, 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 this. And he mouths off everything, hands her a piece of paper and says, Nathan, you're going to work with her now. Go, go for it. Really? I was like, just like that. Just like that. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> like, I'm here to work with you. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, like, I don't, I don't do with this. <laughs> I was like, okay. Big eye opener. Uh, that was, that was an eye opener. I, that was about 10, that was about eight, nine years ago. Maybe closer to 10. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, that's really funny. interesting. So, and you bring up a good point. I think a lot of people miss out on this part. And I want to, I want to just elaborate on that is yeah. um, what you're saying is so true. You've built up something, like I said earlier, you're really good at building relationships in your business. Right. And you, that's like your unique ability, like your unique skill. It's like your highest thing. You want to keep doing that and for other people. Yeah. It's going to be other things. So yeah. you just want to keep doing that. You want to keep doing it because you know, that's what's going to get more business in the door or keep the business sustained. And then there's other little things that maybe you're not good at. And I think of things like in my business, I'm I'm like you, I'm better on the phone, better building relationships, better raising money. But you get me in front of a spreadsheet, all of a sudden, (laughs) I'm like, oh man, I'm hungry. Oh man, I gotta gotta go do something with my kids and I gotta go do this or that. Like nothing could get me to sit down and do a a spreadsheet. I know the feeling. You understand where I'm coming from. I know the feeling, but... I used to hate spreadsheets as well, but ever since I created my own cash flow analysis spreadsheet, which I provided to you, yeah, I closed yeah. some deals in North Carolina, yeah, in the Southeast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. scratch. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, it kind of makes you feel proud to see that number. You know right. what you accomplish, the return on investment. At the end of the day, it's all about return on investment. You true, want true. your money to go as far and work as hard for you as possible. True. And that's why I say, you know, I think that the best, I think the sweet spot for investors that want residential single family homes would be C plus neighborhoods. Again, once you get to A's and B's, your ROI comes down. Uh, I try to get 2% of the purchase price in monthly rent. Easy yeah. math. If I spend $40,000 on a property and I know the market, I, that property's got to get me at least $800 a month in rent to give me what I'm looking for. Another essential piece is the market that you choose. You don't want to choose a market where your annual taxes are going to be four or $5,000 a year, such sure. as Texas. Yeah, taxes yeah. is very expensive in taxes, very expensive. Uh, yeah. and I just yeah. can't see it. I can't see it. Right, my, right. The property that I own there went from three thousand to five thousand dollars in a matter of like three or four years of ownership wow. of that property, and I just couldn't see it. The markets that I choose, the, the annual taxes, I want to be less than a thousand dollars a year. Do I have some that are over a thousand? I do. I do. But these properties I picked up for uh, my first one uh, in my when I started getting back into real estate, I picked it up uh, for eighteen five. They needed about ten thousand. I have thirty thousand all in as an investment. I'm getting eight hundred and twenty five dollars a month. Uh, annual taxes are about seven twenty five. Management fees, you know, the ROI is up there. It's, it's about yeah, it's awesome. twenty percent. 
Yeah. Yeah. Net, you made net operating income. Net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Net. One thing you made a comment too is I remember earlier in this interview, you said when you started real estate, you did the 1% rule. And then recently, yeah. and just, just a bit ago, you said now you have the 2% rule. Yeah. And would that be because, you know, I can obviously see that's been a change for you because of what you yes. had through before and now. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. fantastic. And, and it sounds yeah. like another rule of thumb for you is the taxes. Like you look for taxes areas of tax. Yeah. Well, think about it. Let's say you buy a property in Texas and you pick up the property for, I don't know, $150,000. You're going to be getting thirteen, $1,400 a month in rent. If it's still, I don't, I don't know the current sure, status sure. of the dollar of, of the Texas market, but so the taxes are going to be probably $4,000 a year, you know, so that's all, that's like three, I mean, how much, three yeah. months rent, you know, to pay for right. the taxes, to pay off the taxes. three months right. rent just to pay for your taxes. Sure. Sure, that's sure. a big chunk of change out of my pocket just to pay the municipality. I just don't see it. Not sure. unless you're getting a crazy amount of money in rent, which is not going to happen. The more you spend on real estate, the lower the your ROI. You have to stay in your working class bread and butter neighborhoods to get the highest return on investment. A lot of investors out, not a lot, but some investors out there, they are only into AB properties. I tried looking into these AB properties in my markets. I just can't see spending, for example. Yeah. I have to spend, I'm getting between on the low side, $800, $825 to $950 a month for these properties. Mm -hmm. And I spent anywhere from $30,000 to 40 something thousand. Okay, so that's right where I need to be. That's a sweet spot. Now I said to my, out of curiosity, I said to my property manager, I said, you know, where do I need to be to get, you know, let's say I want to get $1,500 a month in rent. On a property and an a property a property mm. i'd have to spend a hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars just not worth the extra cost to get an extra five six hundred dollars a month in rent right right plus the taxes will be higher as well plus the tax will be higher yeah yeah that's interesting you you found yourself a niche right here and that's one of the most important things about real estate right is finding yeah. a niche sometimes you'll have a bunch of people running towards one strategy that you yeah. know maybe not working like wholesaling real estate is a very common you know industry that's talked about that a lot of people rush to a lot um, yeah their own, a lot. their own reasons yeah and yeah. and and you know you actually dialed in and found a niche you built relationships you built successful yeah. relationships you you're a manager of managers which is right. what sophisticated investing is about it's be, it's really about managing people and managing situations exactly solving the right. problems you know managing resources period yeah exactly exactly and so and and i help a lot of people who watch this interview get take you know take that away from this and not just think hey it's um let me let me just try all these different markets let me try all these marketing methods and get all confused with this strategy yeah. and that strategy and that it's actually more just doing something that you like and enjoy and yeah. dial deep into it go deeper rather than wider and, exactly. uh, and that will that will bring your revenue get familiar with the market and just dive deep exactly exactly right. yeah and i also want to make another point for the people out there that do finally find their market they find their real estate agent or they find their property manager sometimes i use my property manager to purchase houses 
The problem with that, Nathan, is they're a property manager. They're willing to do so, but by the right. time they get to looking at the property, it's already under contract. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why you don't want to use your property manager to buy properties. Yeah. Also, it's a very good idea to build a relationship with more than one property management company in True. your area that you have chosen. True. My experience is, let's say you get burned by, by one manager, which I have when I started investing again. Well, now you have to, you know, and, and you're dying to get out of contract and get those properties over to somebody else. Well, that interview process is time consuming. You've got to interview multiple managers to get to the right one. So if you have two managers in place and you split up your properties against two management companies, one goes south, whether it be, you know, you just don't get along anymore or the level of service declines. It's simple to just take the existing properties that they're managing and switch it over to company manager B without yeah. interviewing anybody. It saves you a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. That's why yeah. I have six or seven I'm working with because I, I just feel like my investments are more diversified. I just sure. feel I sleep better at night. I yeah. have people to turn to to get more information. Uh, just I just feel better that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a, a final question for you that uh, stands out to a lot of, I know it's going to stand out to a lot of people and that's, you know, getting started in this remote investing. This might take you yeah. back a little bit when you first got started, but what would, what would be your advice to someone who's considering like investing in a different market, just trying to do this remote real estate? What would be yeah. your you know piece of advice to someone who's getting started like that? What I started doing is it's pretty simple, very simple. You can start with realtor.com and you pull up a particular market that you may be interested in. And, you know, you'll see that there's a lot of properties listed. And if you click on that property, you'll see the actual listing agent, call the listing agent. Hi, I'm interested in this property. Can you tell me a little bit about the property? I'm an investor. I'm out of state. You know, uh, do you think some of them are familiar with market rents? What do you think this property would rent for? You know, uh, and if you hit it off, maybe you'll be working with that agent and finding your investment property and they'll be able to steer you to the right property manager, to the right title company, to the right home inspector. I also want to point out, too, about home inspectors, it's very important that you build a good relationship with your home inspector. I'll tell you why. Because uh, let's say, for example, you want to keep, you, you know, you just started working with a property manager and you like them, you trust them. But, you know, only time, time equals true trust and transparency equals trust. Sure. And you say to your property manager, listen, after you do the rent ready repairs, do you mind if I send my home inspector in to inspect the work body of a contractor? Absolutely. If they are reluctant to say, <laughs> I have no problem, move on. Move on. Don't even That's hesitate. That's so true. Okay? And when they say That's to good. me, Nick, oh, absolutely no problem. I know I have the right property man because they have, you know, now, you know, there's another. The, the, the inspector, he's going to be looking out for you. You're going to pay him. It's exactly. only $100. I'm going to try. It's not a full loan. You can let them know. It's worth it. Inspector, I simply want you to inspect. I'm going to send you the bill of repairs. You just make sure that all the repairs were completed, that I was billed for, and make sure That's that awesome. the work quality has been done satisfactory yeah. to in a workmanlike manner. Absolutely. And I've seen your home inspection reports. Those are great. I remember They're I commented like on them. Pages long, yeah. I've seen them. Yeah, I still have them saved. I have That's them saved. That's what I want to delegate, Nathan. I hate reading inspection. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But let me tell you, I get real nervous having anybody else reading, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember those reports were very detailed. I really like those. And that's, yeah, that's very are. powerful. You actually are, it's like um, the checking system, what checks and balances, you know, yes. you're having your property manager and you're getting that yeah. second approval. Next party, another party, you know, verifying that. And that's yes. that's very powerful. Yes. That's very yes. powerful technique. That, that, yes. that, that tip alone is gold right there, for real. Yeah, I, you don't learn that from any, you know, I, this is through experience. Experience. You know, this yeah, is absolutely. firsthand knowledge. I created this stuff, you know, and yeah. one manager said to me, she goes, so she goes, you want to send your moments? She goes, that's brilliant. She says, <laughs> why, why, thank you. Nick is like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's right. Hey, after that call, you call up your wife. Hey, just so you know, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, That's something I like to do with my wife. I like to, whenever I hear a comment, I'm like, oh, you know, you know what somebody yeah, told me yeah. about me today? Yeah, it makes you feel good. Like, you know that you're just, you yeah, gotta no, be true. one step ahead without trying to give them any impression that you really don't trust them at all. It's just a matter of just exactly. being safe. So you gotta understand, absolutely. you know, I don't live there. I can't see the work. Everything looks good. Absolutely. In absolutely. But I really need somebody to look at it, you know, with my eyes and ears and just go there a few times. I'm not going to do this every time. Just to make sure the work quality is there. Absolutely. You know, in, in the in the corporate world, we call those SOPs, standard operating procedure. It's just a procedure yeah. that you have in your process. Yeah. You get to get it done. Make sure it's uh, buttoned up. Yeah. That's awesome. Nick, yeah. thank you so much. I mean, I know sure. we had a set sure. time for this, but this has been a very enlightening yeah and lightning encouraging and definitely inspiring i know just on some of the tips you shared was not only great for mindset but also great for real estate uh, right, thanks right. so much for taking the time to do this thank you so me. much for having me it's my my uh, i'm honored awesome great all right we'll all right, talk take soon take care bye-bye now Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Fearless Millionaire Podcast. Like the show? Let us know by liking and sharing. Be sure to check out our website at fearless-millionaire.com for more clarity, confidence, and cash flow.